Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chitterton. In the program this week, Wales try to overcome 60 years of losses to the All Blacks when the two sides play in Auckland on Saturday night. Tony Brown takes up the Highlanders' head coaching role, a job he admits he never particularly wanted. Sir Peter Snell gives us his thoughts on his 1964 Tokyo Olympic singlet going under the hammer. Blackcaps captain Kane Williamson talks about the challenges ahead. Outgoing Netball New Zealand Chief Executive Hilary Poole says she has just one regret and mountain biker Sam Gaze gets the nod for Rio. The first All Blacks team of the year has been named with two debutantes, the only fresh faces in the team to play Wales at Eden Park tomorrow night. Wales haven't won a test against New Zealand in 63 years, and the men in black have every intention to keep things that way. Rugby reporter Joe Porter reports. Coach Steve Hansen has selected a familiar lineup for the first match of 2016, even though the All Blacks are missing six players from last year's World Cup winning starting 15. He says now's not the time to experiment. They see us as the team they want to beat. You know, there's enough history being written about how long it's been and it's going to happen one day. You know, this is a really good Welsh side and it could happen this weekend if we don't turn up and play as well as we can. And I think then you'd really see them singing in the valleys. The uncapped players in the side are loose forward Adi Savia and centre setter Tamani Valu. Savia was always headed straight for the match day 23, though Tamani Valu's blooding has come a little earlier than expected. Hansen says with Charlie Nartai out injured, there weren't really any other options, though he's backing the rookie centre to grow into an international star. Setter's a, you know, he's a long-term project and he's impressed us at training. Like he's a quick learner and he's a good athlete so, and he's got a bit of size about him too. So uh, I think the bigger the occasion, the better he'll go. That's uh, my gut feeling, so we'll wait and see what happens. Tamani Valu backs up Ryan Crotty and Malakai Fikitoa, who get first crack in the midfield spots. The pair have never started together and Crotty concedes they face a stern test tomorrow night, squaring off against the sizeable Welsh duo of Jamie Roberts and Jonathan Davies, who boast more than 100 caps between them. There's been a lot of tackles put in so far this week already. I'm sure there might be a bit more tackle practice again this afternoon. So, um, yeah, their, their experience, their quality, quality test match proven. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do the job. Aaron Cruden has been given the nod to fill Dan Carter's sizeable boots, beating out the challenge of Bowden Barrett, who will cover first five and fullback from the bench. Cruden hasn't played for the All Blacks in 19 months and is tasked with guiding the team in the post-Carter era. I'm not trying to fill Dan Carter's boots, I'm just trying to be Aaron Cruden and yeah, I guess I get the first opportunity this week to, to wear that number 10 jersey. So as you said, it's been 19 months since my last test, so um, I'm really looking forward to this one. Wales are bullish about their chances, with coach Warren Gatlin declaring they're not here to aid the All Blacks rebuilding phase. I'd say that their policy would be trying to win the first two tests and then throw the youngsters into the third test, and so we're not going to roll over and make that easy for them or allow that to happen. 
The reality, though, is much tougher. The last time Wales beat the All Blacks was in 1953, the year that Sir Edmund Hillary first climbed Everest. Since then, they've played New Zealand 26 times and lost every match. Add to that the fact the All Blacks haven't lost at Eden Park to anyone in almost 22 years, and Wales' odds of winning look as slim as ever. For Extra Time, Joe Porter. The former All Black, Tony Brown, will be head coach of the Highlanders next season, with former Hurricanes coach Mark Hammett also joining the coaching staff. Brown replaces Jamie Joseph, who's leaving the franchise at the end of the season to coach the Japan national side. Hammett is currently coaching the Japanese Super Rugby side, the Sunwolves. Brown told Barry Guy he's taking up the Highlanders' top job with some reluctance. It was always reluctant from me um, personally because I believe that um, assistant coach is, is my, my best role and it was one that I had a real goal to try and be the best in the world at at that job and focusing on attack and being an assistant coach and that was um you know a personal goal but this is a team decision and you know 100% behind it. You're taking up an assistant role with the Japan obviously under Jamie you felt too that uh, that was something you wanted on your resume? Yeah I um, love coaching with Jamie and I have done for the last three years um, you know I think we work really well together um, and then obviously when he got the Japan job, he wanted me to go with him and, you know, coaching an international rugby team um, at the World Cup and um, especially one that's going to be hosting the World Cup. And, you know, the challenge was huge and one that um, was pretty exciting and one that I couldn't really turn down. Do you see a head coaching position in New Zealand as uh, something that ultimately would be uh, what you want to do? Yeah, I'm not sure at this stage. Um you know, I haven't really thought too much about that. Um, you know, as a coach, I sort of work from day to day, week to week, campaign to campaign. So, you know, my focus really is finishing this year with with the Highlanders and having a real crack at um, winning the title. Um, and then I'll focus on getting the Highlanders right for um, 2017. So um, sort of step by step for me and haven't really thought too much about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, so you've got uh, uh, Mark Hammett, but you, you obviously see some challenges for yourself when you do uh, lead the Highlanders in 2017. Um, oh, there's always going to be challenges. It's um, Coaching's not an easy job. There's a new challenge every day. Um, but, you know, I'm 100% confident that we've got a, a really quali- a high-quality coaching staff here that we can take on that challenge together. It's not really something that I'm going to be taking on myself. And also the players and all that sort of thing. Obviously what Jamie has done the last few years with yourself, of course, you've set up a good structure there and hopefully that'll carry on. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, that was one of the major reasons, you know, why I've taken the job. You know, we want to we want to keep continuity in, in the club and, um, you know, we want to take this team forward and, you know, keep, I guess, trying to stay ahead of the competition and, and keep our game, you know, as good as anyone's in the world. And, um, you know, we've got enough quality players and all those players have, most of those players have re-signed. So, you know, it's going to be pretty exciting to take, try and take this team forward in 2017. The legendary New Zealand athlete Sir Peter Snell says he had actually accused his ex-wife of losing the black singlet he wore when he won the 800m and 1500m gold medals at the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. 
The singlet, which is to be auctioned in Auckland later this month, is expected to fetch between thirty and $50,000. The 77-year-old Snell, who now lives in Texas, told Morning Report Susie Ferguson that he did not remember giving the singlet away, but probably did so for a charity event many years ago. That's the, uh, uh, the case of a disappearing singlet that showed up, and uh, I'd actually accused my ex-wife of just... Uh, dumping it uh, before she left New Zealand to join me in, in the US and she said, oh no, 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 I never did that and um, so it might have been one of those things I might have given to be auctioned off at a charity and someone bought it way, way back. So you don't know how it has come to be up for sale? No, no, no. I, uh, the, uh, the person in whose possession it is actually called me and he was more anxious to know that uh, if, if I thought it was genuine, well, I, you know, I don't know. It sounded, it looks, looks good. Um, everything seems to fit, and uh, so. Um, so you just can't remember what happened to that singlet? <laughs> no, no. I, well, you know, I went. Uh, I had a sort of big change of life thing where I, I, I've totally changed from athlete into student and. And uh, a lot of my belongings have gone astray. So you don't know if you gave it away or if it got auctioned off no, for, no, for charity, no, really, anything like that? I really don't. That's, that's the most likely thing because, as you know, there's all these, over the years we've been asked to provide shoes and singlets and apparel and personal items uh, for these uh, fundraising uh, Auctions and, do you think uh, it's and likely? Quite, quite a lot of that. Do you think it's likely you gave it away though that particular one? I don't. No, no, I wouldn't have given that away. I don't think. Um, I, but I, I can imagine that I would have given it for a specific charitable cause. Okay. So I've never, I've never sold anything of mine ever. Do you want it back? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, I, I would rather see it if. if uh, if Ron Polensky wants it down in uh, in the Dunedin Hall, Hall of Fame, then that's where I'd rather see it, and that's probably where my medals are going to end up anyway. It's a pretty, well, potentially a pretty steep price tag on it. Any chance? Oh, I, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It seems uh, I, I don't know that I've got it right. I I certainly uh, uh, would you pay fifty thousand for it? <laughs> I might pay a couple of hundred or something like that. <laughs> You're not going to be bidding then? I'm sorry? You're not going to be bidding for it, do you think? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, definitely <laughs> something. I, I'm not as into memorabilia anymore. What sort of condition was this singlet in the last time you saw it? Was it in you good know, condition? No? Yeah, I, I don't even know when I last it. Um, it's not something that I that I wore after I uh, after I quit racing. Um, it was something that I probably uh, had put aside. And then, you know, when 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 we left, when I left to come over here to go to, to university, then uh, my wife was in charge of sort of getting rid of stuff. And I, I talked to her, and she said, "Well." I got rid of your Mount Albert Grammar School blazer, and that's the only thing she would she would admit to. You don't think uh, it got pinched off your washing line or anything, do you? <laughs> no, no, because because it would have been it would have been just stuck away in a drawer like a lot of this stuff is. Uh, 
and uh, forgotten about. Sir Peter Snell talking to Susie Ferguson. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast brought to you by RNZ Sport. Kane Williamson was officially appointed Black Caps captain in April, but has only just spoken publicly for the first time about taking on the role. New Zealand sit at the top of the 2020 World Rankings, second on the one-day rankings and fifth in tests. Following Brendan McCullum's retirement in February, Williamson led the Black Caps to the 2020 World Cup in India, where they reached the semi-finals. He was always seen as McCullum's successor, but will bring a very different approach. He spoke to sports editor Stephen Hewson about how he sees the role. From my perspective, it's it's all about the team and wanting to make sure you do what's best for the team and the team gets what it needs. And um, you know, I guess there were some questions that I wanted to to ask and um, and you know make sure it was a, a good fit and. I suppose there's, yeah, there's going to be a number of challenges ahead and, and something I'm looking forward to, but you know, we've got a great bunch of guys and I think everyone's looking forward to it. So did you approach a few guys in the team and have a chat about whether they thought you were the, the right fit? Is that how you approached it? Not as such. I mean, they weren't... I suppose they're not the, the quite the questions you ask, but it's, it is a, a reading of the culture and... Um, and and there are a number of leaders in the group, so it is important that you're working alongside um, all of them and, and in a way that can help move the, the whole side and the culture forward, which you know, has come a long way in the last few years. So what sort of questions were you you're looking to have answered? Well, they weren't so much literal as that um, I suppose it was taking on quite a, a new challenge, um, and I suppose in my mind, in my mind, I was wanting to be quite clear and and the challenges that came with it, as opposed to I suppose the um, walking into the role um, without having considered it as much as it should have been. So um, yeah, I wanted to make sure I was very clear and um, all that was I suppose required. And I know it's it's ever changing and and it continue to will be. Is that possibly even more off field? commitments I suppose that the role entails as much as the on-field ones? That's probably more so um, the off-field just um, I did a, quite a bit of uh, on-field whilst Brendan was there and they were great learning experiences um, and uh, I suppose there's a number of um, dynamics to captaincy and a lot of it is off the field and um, a lot of it you don't see when you're not in the role so it's it was nice to um, sit down and discuss sort of what it was about and um, I think that's important. Uh, I suppose the other thing might be too that the captain becomes quite a focus too, don't they, for, for the Black Caps and that is possibly or seems something that may not sit as comfortably with you being a, a more the centre of attention than, than some of the other players. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I suppose there's a number of responsibilities that come with captaincy and obviously there's requirements off the field and uh, you might do a few more interviews and various parts, but uh, at the same time, um, you know, your focus and your interests um, are far more, um, I suppose, consumed with what's required for the team um, and looking to do as, as best you can for the side. So um, that's what it's about ultimately. How do you think you'll cope more in the in the spotlight? Because, I mean, when we've 
spoken to you at press conferences and things over the last sort of few years. You, you, you very much defer to, to everyone else and you obviously don't seem to be as comfortable talking about your stellar achievements. So how, how do you think you'll go in the spotlight? Yeah, I don't think much has to change, to be fair. Um, you, know, you, talk, you talk about achievements and I probably look at them in a slightly different light and you know, I think um, you know, the team aspect of things is the most important and, and other reasons for for why you, you're motivated to, to try and do uh, as best you can and you know, I think that's important for a, a good culture. So um, certainly something that we're trying to continue is uh, the good culture within the site. Do you think being captain might have an impact on your own form or, or are you simply able to close that kind of pressure off when, when you're out in the middle? Yeah, certainly. Captaincy uh, brings its its challenges and you, you have a, a little bit more to do and, and those sorts of things, which um, which is cool. Uh, and yeah, my reasons for doing it went, um, or I suppose wanting to, to do it went... Um, Sort of selfishly based, so they're not about me and my runs or um, or whatever. Um, they were certainly um, about the the team and and wanting to um, as best I can um, try and help the side uh, move in a direction that's that's sort of in a in an upward um, fashion. And with the the challenges ahead, if we're continuing to learn and, and improve, then and that's the main thing, and and that was sort of the the focus as opposed to um, looking too closely at um, me, me and I, um, you know, and and certainly uh, within captaincy, you're, you're very much a player, and you have a a role to play, which um, I suppose in my case is with the bat and maybe a few overs uh, every now and again, but um, that that is still the the main focus is that you're, you're one of 11 um, and it's important you're looking to play a role as best you can. What are you looking forward to about it the most? Tough question. Uh, look, I was, I was really looking forward to the, the challenge at the World Cup and um, and a stiff challenge it was and uh, it was great to see um, the way the team, I think, developed and, and improved and the way I think we adapted as a group. Um, the guys... Um, I think we're fantastic and that's I think one of the best parts about the job is uh, watching the, the team grow and, and move forward as a unit and hopefully we're able to continue to do that in the near future with so much cricket coming up and a lot of cricket overseas which naturally brings its challenges but um, the guys are, are rearing to go and they're playing cricket all around the world so uh, it'll be good. The guys will be nice and, and fresh and have had a bit of cricket under their belt, uh, ready to go for their uh, international duty. The Black Caps' next international assignment is a tour of South Africa and Zimbabwe starting in August. Nepal New Zealand was dealt a blow this week when Chief Executive Hilary Paul announced her resignation. Paul had only been in the role for three years and spearheaded Nepal New Zealand's strategic development including the new domestic competition which starts next season in place of the now scrapped Trans-Tasman tournament of the last eight years. Paul told me she felt the time was right for someone new to take the reins. I've been discussing it with the board um, earlier this year, so I had um, really come in with a brief to set the strategy for the sport and put in place the underpinning programmes and structures, including the 
elite competition structure in a much stronger and more capable team. And um, we've made a lot of progress over the last three years. And in terms of the time in the network cycle, now is a good time in terms of bringing in uh, fresh leadership, um, taking us through into um, the Com Games and, and World Cup into, into the next cycle. You mentioned you'd obviously um, discussed it with the board earlier this year. I suppose, when did you first seriously start thinking about moving on? Um, well, look, that, it, it, it was in March um, after our um, after our AGM, and I just felt we had really put in place, set the strategic agenda, and made some of the basic changes in terms of the um, system, uh, the sporting system, and um, really strengthened the team team here at Netball New Zealand. Um, what the board did ask me to stay on to see through the um, the changes in terms of the elite competition structure, um, which is uh, what what we've been focused on for the last couple of months. Did the split with Australia and the the breakdown of the ANZ League sort of leave you with a sour taste at all? Not at all. Um, my only regret is that we hadn't got there quicker. Um, you know, I think um, you know when I started, it was pretty evident all the metrics were in the wrong direction. You know, financially, performance-wise, um, in terms of viewership and following um, for the league, and that it wasn't really serving um, the best interests of uh, or serving the best interests of, of netball in New Zealand. And look, my only regret is that that we hadn't got there quicker. Um, look, I think the new structure will work much better for for netball in New Zealand. Was the reason it didn't get there quicker by any chance dealing with Netball Australia? Because they did take quite a while to come back to New Ze- Netball New Zealand over the future of the of the league, didn't it? Yeah, look, it, it, um, there was certainly um, um, some delays, particularly around the settling of the Australian Broadcast Partnership. Um, and look, just sometimes things do take time when you've got what when you've got many stakeholders. Um, but look, I really believe that the structure that we've, you know, we've got in place now, um, particularly with the under, underpinning um, the Beco Netball League, which is the development league, uh, will really, really help with um, building um, the depth for both players and coaches and um, strengthen the system going forward. I suppose from your point of view, do we have systems or sort of development paths in place now you think that can better prepare our uh, elite players for that or players for that elite level look look we absolutely do i think at, at a national level we've got um you know we've got our national development squad which is a broadened um squad for athletes um sort of underpinning the silver ferns and within the five zones now which have got the franchises we've got the development teams um in place for the for the Beco league and we've also got a a um, elite and performance coach, and you know, coach development program. But look, all, all those things it will take time to build build that depth. But look, I think you know we, we're on our way. We started to see the beginning of that. I think later last year with the silver ferns um, results for Australia and particularly the wins on on, on the Australian soil. So um, look, I think I think we've got the foundation, the platform in place. There's still a lot of hard work to do. In saying that, though, I mean, are you concerned at all that New Zealand might be left behind with the new domestic competition, especially given um, Australian NRL and AFL clubs getting involved and in Netball Australia themselves saying they want to have the best league in the world? Is that at all a concern? We're working hard to have a very strong league here in, in New Zealand and have our best players um, play play in New Zealand and you know, sticking firm to, to our eligibility ruling that, you know, to be a source, then you need to play in the New Zealand League. 
Um, we'll be making announcements in the coming weeks about the international component, um, which follows um, our, our new elite competition, um, which I think will bring together some of the best teams in the world. Plus, we are increasing our international program for, for the Silver Ferns, um, uh, which starts this year with the Netball Quad Series and, and continues on through, so lifting up the number of internationals um, from 10 to 15 tests for the Silver Ferns. So, look, a combination of those factors will ensure that New Zealand Netball remains strong, and I would say um, is consistently um, strong too. We want to be sustainably strong. We don't want to just spike up, you know, once every eight years or so, we need to be consistently number one. I suppose that's enough talk about netball New Zealand. Now, whereabouts for you though? What what do you uh, what's in the in future, or what does the future hold for for you, Hillary? I'll be into my um, eighth year as a NSO CEO, and uh, I really feel like I need to a bit of time, bit of recharge, bit of family time, um, and then I'll I'll look at um, what options are there for me. I'd like to think I could. Um, continue to add, the, add value to sport and healthy lifestyles in some shape or form. Hilary Paul will finish at Nepal New Zealand at the end of the month. The Cambridge mountain biker Sam Gaze grabbed the hotly contested single spot for the Rio Olympics, but in the end his battle with Anton Cooper came to naught. Cooper, the Commonwealth Games champion and World Under-23 champion, was ruled out of contention because of health issues, which have affected his recent performances on the World Cup circuit. 20-year-old Gaze, who finished second to Cooper in Glasgow in 2014, says he has some sympathy for Cooper. It's a tough one. Uh, Anton and I have been quite close. I haven't been beaten by him, uh, well, apart from the sickness in Oceanus. I've beaten him every single time, really, since World Champs. And so, yeah, it's 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 a tough situation. Uh, Anton is definitely, he's... Uh, he's Hugely talented, you know. He's he's a world champion. He's he's great. He's amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't you can't take that away from him. But I'm very happy uh, with how things have gone for me. It's been a very tight battle up until he was uh, well, he just got uh, he became sick uh, before Kens or um, but before nationals. So yeah, really go out to him. I uh, hope it all goes well. But yeah, I feel like I prepared really well for this uh, since Worlds with my new coach Christoph Salzer. I really wanted to uh, work on everything I could to get to get reach the goals I wanted to, and so we had a, a good plan going forward. And uh, Carl Patton, my former coach, really helped along with the last the last year in development into that phase. And so yeah, things have gone great for me. I've uh, been pretty happy with the results, but I'm still things are improving day by day, you know. And so uh, things are going great right now, but I'm really excited to see the possibilities that could happen um, come mid July, uh, mid mid August. It's nice to have the the support of a nation. You know, it's uh, it's pretty humbling to be uh, the to be there <laughs> as a twenty year old. So I'm going to try and make the most of the uh, the opportunity I have here. It's going to be it's going to be hard. You know, Olympics is yeah, it's Olympics for a reason. And so I'm going to give it the best I can, and hopefully it can be good enough to bring home a medal. And so now you can just uh, taper your training and that sort of thing, and aim directly at Rio. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's looking like. Me and my uh, my coach and I, Christoph Salza, we have a, a very good plan going forward to Rio. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to getting that done and executing that. Uh, but from here on out, I train for uh, World Championships. It's also a very big goal. I've uh, 
Yeah, I've been denied of that a few times, and so I'm really looking forward to making the most out of that situation. I know for Mesto, it's a very, it's a course that suits me very well, and I feel great coming into it. So that's a big goal for mine, and then from there, it's going to be all for you. You know, everything is going to be towards that one race, and the course is great there, uh, suits me really well, and so we're going to um, stimulate the training around that course and just get everything working perfectly for it. Sam Gaze talking to Barry Guy. That's extra time for this week. Feedback is always welcome via our Twitter at RNZ Sport or our email sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.